Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this installment of our Brandon Sanderson series. We hope you'll join us by clicking on the Reading Challenge link at our website, thelegendariumpodcast.com, or to keep it simple, just send us your thoughts on the books on our website, on Facebook, or on Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and welcome to The Legendarium. Hey, this is Brandon Sanderson, author of Mistborn. Welcome to The Legendarium! If Tom Cruise were 6'4", I would cast Tom Cruise. Get out. (laughs) Put put him on three, four apple boxes. It'll be fine. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Emma Watson would make a great Marassi. I thought you were going to say wax. Yes. (laughs) Yes. All right. I've got my notes. Okay. You guys ready? Yep. Ready. Welcome to the Legendarium Podcast, where dreams come true, but only after becoming nightmares that make you sweat and sleep punch your spouse. We'll get to the subject at hand, but first... the domestic violence <laughs> super quick. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like there's a story behind this. Nope, no stories, no stories. Uh, first, Until the court case is cleared. <laughs> I'd say some introductions are in order. Uh, now my hair is more lush than the rainforest with stiffer penalties if you cut it down. I am Craig Hanks, <laughs> your lovely host. Also explains the deforestation. <laughs> <laughs> and he's so rotten inside, he once clogged my toilet for three days. It's Ryan Bruckman. I wish and that was that's just a an true insult. story. Yeah, I wish it was just an insult, but that is a true, <laughs> true fact. Uh, and now he's like an onion. I'll almost certainly cry while chopping him up. It's Ken Johnson. <laughs> and like waxillium. I'm wearing my tassels, but I'm not going to show them to you. <laughs> and if the law were a cat, he'd feed it liver and fear its steely gaze. It's law student Nick Jeter. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> and joining us via Skype from one of uh, the those Carolina things, he's as vapid as a contestant on The Bachelor and looks even better in a bikini. It's first-time guest and longtime friend of the podcast, Jeff Inch. Hi, Jeff. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I was going to say, first-time, long-time, but it's kind of extra, or long-time, first-time. It's sort of a lie. Why? Well, because you've featured some of my written material. Oh, that's before. true. That's <coughs> true. But this is the first. Well, yeah, it's it's the first time ish that we're hearing your dulcet tones on the podcast. So I'm pretty excited about Gr- that. Uh, now, remind me, Jeff. Uh, well, first of all, remind me which Carolina is it? North, uh, South East. Carolina. Got- <laughs> Shoot, northeast. Carolina. All right, you had a fifty-fifty Myr- chance. Myrtle man. Beach, specifically. <laughs> West, West. They Carolina. call it the Redneck Riviera. Oh, nice. <laughs> that sounds like my, well, my my kind of party. Uh, Jeff, Beach remind nice. me, did you start reading Brandon Sanderson on our suggestion? I did. I, you were the first one to suggest it to me. Yeah. Um, and then I had a bunch of other people that suggested, and so I did. I started with Mistborn. So I wouldn't say I mean I'm a a budding Sanderson fan. Yeah. <clears throat> but but I've not read anything outside of the Mistborn series yet, but I'm looking forward to I'm going to read uh I think Reckoners or whatever. A lot yeah. I'm I'm going to do the Year of Sanderson, so I look forward to reading more of his stuff cuz it was awesome. Nice. Yeah, that's the next uh, series coming up for any of you listening in. Uh, we'll do Bands of Morning next after this one, uh, and then we'll do the three Reckoners books. Very much looking forward looking to that so because much. I've I've saved myself for calamity. <laughs> um, I I should have read it by now. It's been out for all of like four days, but uh, but I'm holding off. It's same with um, Wave Kings and Words of Radiance. I I am waiting to read those until Wait, we can you do it. You haven't read uh, no Stormlight Archive. No, in fact, it's wow. been I I've it's been you killing are, me. You are in for it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Ryan says. Yeah. Um, Anyway, you guys want to know, hear from somebody who did read this on our suggestion. I've got a listener note. Are you ready? This is actually from the uh, admin over at worldswithoutend.com. I actually read it on your suggestion, by the way. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. oh that's right. I remember having that conversation with yeah. you. Um, you well, know, if you want to be most technical, I read it based on your suggestion way back when. Yeah, that's right. So there you go. You yeah. guys are just converting Sanderson Knight's... Left and right. We we'll start going door to door f- if we need to. That's <laughs> right. With little name tags. We'll From the Church little of Sanderson. Little <laughs> copies of Mistborn. <laughs> Are you a Pathian? Um, anyway, <laughs> the admin over at worldswithoutend.com, he's the one who helped us set up the whole challenge and, and helped us host it over there. He writes uh, on our, our little forum, So I have a confession to make. I expected to hate Brandon Sanderson. I have a natural instinct to pull away from anyone or anything that generates such a rabid following. And I totally sympathize with that. 
and I told him, uh, <laughs> I told him I, I totally get that because I, I'm the same way, but luckily I started reading Sanderson when he published Elantris way back when, and so I've kind of been around long enough to miss that. Anyway, he goes on, then along comes the Legendarium podcast, that's us, you guys, Hey. Uh, and this challenge, and I figure I'll finally prove to myself that his books suck. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I tried to not like Mistborn. I went into it with my preconceived notions flared. Ha ha ha. Well done. I, I get that. Uh, but after a few chapters, I started to warm to the story and the characters. A few chapters later, I really started looking forward to getting back to the book. Then, one day, I realized that I was finally getting why all of you are so crazy about his work. Next thing I know, I'm totally hooked. I raced to the finish when I got home from work tonight, and, and I've already bought the second book. I can't type this fast enough knowing book two is waiting for me. I have drunk the Kool-Aid, and I find it delicious. Now, if you'll excuse me. <laughs> and you'll find why that comment's even funnier at the end of the second book. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, I'm, uh, I'm happy that we have done our, our, our thing. Share of marketing for Brandon Sanderson. I guess so, yeah. Our work here is done. Good night. Uh, anyway, so I guess moving away from the general Brandon Sanderson talk, we should talk about the uh, specifics of... This book, Shadows of Self. Um, first things first, Todd uh, luckily could not be with us, so we don't have to worry about that guy. <laughs> but he did send in his uh, his three-paragraph synopsis, a uh, little short synopsis of the book, and so we'll go through that. Usually I write this, but uh, since Todd wasn't going to be here, I thought this was a good way to get him in. Uh, he says, have you ever thought back on a critical decision in your life and wished, even for just a second, that you had the chance to go back and choose differently? In Shadows of Self, Wax gets just that opportunity. In true Brandon Sanderson fashion, Shadows of Self is a fast-paced thrill ride into, through, and around the Cosmere, one that is home to amazing characters with interesting abilities. Wax and Wayne, accompanied by Marasi, pursue criminals in Elendel with something of a free hand, in spite of increasing tensions between Wax and the organized constabulary. Along the way, Melan, a shape-shifting Chandra, now referred to as Faceless Immortals, joins with them in the search for the assassin. This assassin, known as Bleeder, also a Chandra, has gone insane, and as Harmony reveals to Wax, is pushing the world to the brink of ruin. Political intrigue, philosophical discussions on the relationship between God and humans, examination of social, social conditions not terribly removed from our own first world problems, a surprise visit from another character from the original Mistborn saga, and a fair amount of punching, shooting, and drinking provide a wonderful backdrop for the most important question of the entire book. If you could do it all over again, would you change anything? So, what do you guys Ooh. think? Uh, is... is is it an equivalency with the first book? I mean, there's echoes. What do you think, Jeff? Um, if was there was there anything beyond echoes, or was this like a, a re-choosing of the first book? Yeah, that you know the intro, the whole uh, bloody tan, uh, Lessy right. getting shot thing. Yeah. Well, I was. I mean, maybe I misunderstood. I kind of saw the. Uh, well, yeah, I don't know. Uh, what do you guys think? I don't think so. Um, I don't think that it actually works, uh, that we're actually revisiting or rehashing the same story uh, just because we have similar, we end up running with similar characters. Um, this is, and actually this is a point I was looking to bring up more towards the end, I assume, but um, this book made me decide that Alloy of Law is not a standalone. Oh, yeah. No matter yeah. what Brandon Sanderson says about it, I get, you know, why, in terms of his writing style and everything there, why it's considered a standalone. But it's not. You lose a, a large portion of the emotional impact of this story if you have not read Alloy of Law and what has what wax, uh, what wax has already gone through. Yeah, I yeah. agree. I couldn't agree more. Uh, thoughts, Ken? I, I kind of. Oh, sorry, Jeff. Go. Sorry. Yeah, that's okay. I I agree to a point. I thought I kind of saw the prologue to this one and the prologue to Alloy of the Law to be sort of like almost mirrors of each other. With Alloy of Law, you see what happened at the end of that relationship whereas in this one you see kind of the beginning is what i i may have been you know misinterpreted but that's kind of what oh, i saw I, it as that's accurate. that's exactly what i thought yeah it, that's exactly what it does it shows where they meet it shows where they lose each other it's which which all of a sudden becomes a lot more important as mm -hmm. this book goes along 
Well, and, and that's one of the things that's most recognizable about Brandon Sanderson's writings um, outside of the original Mistborn trilogy, if, if I look at it actually, um, especially if you're familiar with Stormlight Archive. He time jumps a lot in a lot of his stories to give you context as to why the characters are where they are here. And he does the same thing with Wax and with Wax in this story. And so in Alloy of Law, yeah, you got the end of their relationship, and then you get the beginning in Shadows of Self. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, is it's still the end of that relationship with Lessie that create that creates that emotional uh, crux at the end of him having to deal with it all over again. Yeah, I yeah. buy that. Well, I think it, there's also an important. I mean, in his character arc and in, in his development, I think it's important that what happens to Lessie or what he thought happened to Lessie um, earlier on in his life. That was out of his control, and he, in the flashbacks, he kind of feel his powerlessness. But at the end of Shadows of Self, he makes an active, proactive choice, um, mostly because Harmony puts him in a position where he has to choose um, to to end what he thought, I mean, what Lessie had become, or what she was. Right. I love that the first thing that we've done is jump right to the end, and let's let's address this here. <laughs> let's talk about this. Yeah, why not? I mean, it's not like we're doing spoilers, or or not like we're avoiding spoilers. Yeah, I was going to say, are, and, we, are we avoiding and, the fact that Leslie was a Condra? No. What? Sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, and <laughs> I will I say, hey, this kind of goes into something that I felt about the book, which is it was kind of like Alloy of Law. It was a fun ride. I was having a good time. Uh, I was I was enjoying myself, and then chapter seven happened and he has the conversation with yeah. with uh harmony and suddenly it's a little bit different uh it's the, much different. The, the philosophical implications right. are different yep. but then he leaves that behind more or less and goes on through the story and then it's the ending that very bitter end uh, as is brandon sanderson's want the last 10 pages just punch it right in the gut and that's what makes you really think about what does this book tell us what you know what's he trying to say uh, and so, yeah, I have no problem skipping to the end. And hey, we can go back and talk about all the other stuff too. But it's that ending that really makes the book. Well, and also everything you just described in terms of how the book shifts where the story is going, especially bringing in harmony, and it starts to become a story about the Cosmere and not just a story about Wax and Wayne. Um, I think it's for that reason that Alloy, oh my gosh. that Alloy of Law is a standalone book, or you can argue that it's a standalone book. And I agree with you that it really is a part of the series. Yeah. Um, but it only addresses the Cosmere a little bit. I mean, you get mm-hmm. to, you get to meet uh, Iron Eyes. I don't remember his original name. Marsh. 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 You get to meet Marsh a little bit at the end, and that kind of blows your mind. But um, Shadows of Self becomes a story about the Cosmere. Whereas Alloy of Law wasn't at all, and, and Bands of Mourning, which we're not talking about, starts to open it don't up a lot even, more. I don't even want to know. I, I don't want to. Oh, you haven't it. read it at all? No, not oh, yet. Oh goodness gracious! Yeah, I, nobody's. Well, that's. I, nobody's I, I'm, I think I'm, I'm halfway through. <laughs> Go ahead, Jeff. I'm, yeah, I'm kind of with you, Craig. I mean, I haven't read. I started reading, you know, the Stormlight Archive and everything like that. But as far as these books are concerned, I totally agree with both kind of what Ryan uh, and Nick are saying in that. I think that Alloy of Law is kind of it definitely enriches this series as far as like the Wax and Wayne and that storyline and these characters, but but that but Alloy of Law kind of stands almost outside of you know the Mistborn overarching story where we're talking about you know the it's all about the different types of um, you know Alamancy and Farukami and and Hemalurgy. Yeah, they can talk about that and use that, but it doesn't build anything. Unlike you know in Mistborn each book you're building on more and more and more and learning more about these systems. You kind of did just in the sense that they're twin born and alloy of law, but you really start developing it and furthering it in this series. So I think alloy of law stands outside of the Mistborn series. Okay. But as part of this series within the overarching series, it's kind of important and useful. I, I should say so. Ryan's dying. You're I, I just dying. I can understand that logic, but I disagree with it simply because if we look back, what you're looking at is Alloy of Law is a micro story of a larger piece here. And it sets up the set. It sets up who our villain, our kind of our villain in the shadows is this whole time. Um, and if you go back to the original Mistborn, the first uh, first story there, you know, that one, we asked the question, could it stand by itself? Yeah, it, we often tell people, mm-hmm. if you only read one, read that first one, you'll get a full story there. I feel like Alloy of Law is the same piece. You get a full story out of it, 
but it sets up part of the larger story, which did and, the rest of Mistborn become. And I think what you're saying is, if you only do Shadows of Self, like if you read one of these uh, uh, Western Mistborn books, it can't be Shadows of Self, which is ostensibly book one of the trilogy. Is that what you're saying? Like, you've, if, if you're going to read just one, it's going to have to be Alloy of Law. Yeah. Otherwise, I, otherwise, this one's going to lack the punch that you want. I think if you re- if you read Shadows of Self without reading Alloy of Law, you will come out and say. That was a good story, but if you read Alloy of Law first and come into Shadows of Self and read that through, you'll go, okay, I see where we're going. It gives you more perspective. You understand, okay, we're de- what we're dealing with with the uncle here, this yeah. this whole setup of them trying to get in a position to be able to, you know, figure out what they're, I mean, without going too far into anything else, we're trying to still figure out what the set are up to. We don't really right. know much right. because yeah. our villain yeah. in this one didn't have a ton to do I, with I them. have, I have predictions on that by the way but before we go on the things we're talking about right now really uh jive well with another listener note we got Mm -hmm. from the forum so let let this uh be uh an encouragement to you all listening i would love to hear you guys on the forum on our facebook page wherever i love reading the notes um this is from sa hawkfire Writing in from Canada. That's a Sounds cool like a character name. from a Sanderson book. There you go. <laughs> uh, I, and I don't know if it's a guy or a gal, so forgive me. Uh, the Hawkfire says, I really enjoyed this book, maybe even more than Alloy of Law. What I find so amazing about Shadows of Self is that Sanderson manages to take very small threads and characters and ideas from Alloy of Law and spin them into an even more epic tale that makes me feel like I'm truly in the Mistborn universe again and not just peeking in through the window. The revelation of Lessie as a Chondra and Wax having to deal with all those emotions all over again. Can't even describe how much my heart hurt for him. Uh, let's see what else did uh, they say shadows of self on the whole seem darker and more twisted than the cartoony aol alloy of law with the exception of alloy of law's prologue which i thought was amazing a chondra going mad the priest hung up with spikes in his eyes oh, the way freaky. the way palm appears to the the cab driver it's gruesome and i was a lot more afraid of the forces at work um I, and i i agree with that D- darker definitely darker I don't know if I was ever afraid, but I totally agree with him slash her. I don't know. Hawkfire could be a girl. It. Should we just go we'll, with it? We'll assume that she's a girl because <laughs> I want to. Why not? Um, but um, I, I totally agree. There was so much deep in this book. I, I, I agree with everything Ryan said. I mean, this book, if you don't read Alloy of Law first, you won't get the emotional impact of shadows of self you won't but and there's just so much you get to chapter six and chapter seven and all of a sudden you you see um all of the turn of the century labor riots and labor strife and everything that, that was really happening in the 19th century in the turn of the 20th century and you think okay this is the heavy implication of this book and then you find out this is just the tool. And now we get into uh, the duality of perspective, you know, what's right, what's wrong uh, with um, Edwarn and mm-hmm. Wax. You know, they're going back and forth about what well, Kelsey Did you good. just, wait, whoa, 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 hang on. I just totally stop, his stop name. right now. What? You blew Craig's mind. Ken just said duality of perspective. I'd like to dwell on that for just a moment. Yeah, <laughs> not even about. not even the duality of perspective. Just the fact that Ken said that. I'd like to uh, to take note of that. I got a dictionary Ken's for my birthday. <laughs> well, well, Todd's not here, so somebody's got to you know. Anyway, well, but it just you get to you get to the. I'm going to continue my point, and then we'll go back to you know, no fun. But so you get you get the conflict of, of, of perspective there, and then you find out. Okay, now you've got from that you build into. Who's really in control? Are you autonomous? I mean, Harmony's pulling these strings. You know, Wax, did you did you really go to the roughs because you wanted to? Or were you pushed there by Harmony in order to bring you back to be so much deep in this book? This Some of the points you brought up there brings up one of my favorite things about this, and I will say that Shadows of Self is the better book. Um, oh, absolutely. So far. And it just, it's been progressively getting, uh, the series is progressively getting better. But a lot of those points are built off of a single concept that for those of us who have invested in the Mistborn series previously, it it causes us to have a little bit of unease. And that's, we now don't know how we feel about Sezed, who is Harmony. Oh, man. Yep. Because all of a sudden, 
this character who in the original Mistborn trilogy you just you hurt for when he loses Tindwill, um, Tindwill and you sit there and and you just his journey to try and figure out what is truth and you know which religion is is right and everything all these things we're now going well that was kind of a that was kind of a jerk move to oh, you, to to take him away from us well not even necessarily take him away but that he's now doing things and he's trying to function as a god and the things that he's doing you, are the sort of things that you would normally, uh, as a reader, go, I don't know that I like you for that. Or I understand it, but I don't like at, it. At thing. least from this singular perspective, right, Ken? There you go. We haven't had much uh, on the other side of it. I, I feel like there's a lot more Sazed story to tell. Go. This singularity of perspective. Uh, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Well, yeah, and it doesn't, I, I don't think it doesn't that help that the story is being told through Wax's eyes, and he kind of hates Harmony by the end. Um but what I was thinking of and what Harmony has become and what, what are we supposed to think out of, think about him versus is he good, is he bad? Um, he's almost like the Lord Ruler in a really... Kind of fumbling with ultimate power kind of way? Um, well, and also very calculating. Not calculating in a in a manipulative or... I mean, I guess malicious, he was... Malicious. Yeah, he's not way. malicious. He is manipulative. But a very this is just what needs to happen or he sees what's coming before anything else. And he's trying to, he's trying to pull strings because he sees what's coming and Right. Maybe but he's not omnipotent or omniscient, you know, he's definitely not omnipotent. This or omniscient or omniscient. Sanderson's Cosmere has the rarity of not omnipotent deity figures throughout the entirety of the Cosmere. Um, there are definitely very, uh, or omniscient, I think is the word I want. Not yeah. Omnipotent. They, they are very uh, fallible. And we get that in his discussion with Harmony when he says, you know what, I've made things too easy for you. You were supposed to get the radio. Or oh, yeah, I like, loved right. that discussion. Yeah. I've, I've made things too easy for you. And I'm sitting here going, here is a concept that you can translate very nicely into modern day life as well. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, sure, things could be made very easy for you. But progress slows when people aren't asked to stretch themselves. Do you, is this a concept that you think Brandon Sanderson is... Uh, that was the loudest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Do you suppose this is uh, something, a, a commentary that he's making on actual deity that he believes in? Or is this where he he's hearing people say, well, if God existed this that or the other wouldn't happen my my uh child wouldn't die the this war wouldn't have happened the kurds wouldn't be gassed whatever um if god existed these terrible things wouldn't happen and maybe sanderson is saying well here's one reason one possible reason why god allows these things to happen right well and to to jump in on that um i'm looking at something harmony said he's talking about um Oh, where does he say it? Um, Wax, essentially, in their conversation, says to the extent that murderers are needed as a conclusion or a summary of what Harmony had just told him. Um, And Harmony says, yes, no. (laughs) Yeah. Um, The potential for murderers is needed. Um, I agree with with your indignation, um, but I can't take sides. It's Mm. it's such a... The character of Harmony is such an interesting study, this concept of balancing... All to, uh, balancing everything so that you don't throw your world out of whack because we think, well, wouldn't it just be great if everything was was if if uh, if a deity did s- resolve everything, no murders, anything like that? Harmony is what comes in and says, look, that's not possible. We just simply can't al- that can't allow it, or there is no progress in anything. It's a very interesting concept, and I don't know necessarily know that it, Brandon Sanderson is uh, endorsing this, saying this is why or this is the case because in in much of his writings, he addresses different perspectives of similar uh-huh. topics. Right. So I wouldn't say that this is necessarily him saying, here's here's this. It's something that he's throwing out and saying, chew on this and think about it for a minute before you before you solidify your stance there. Right. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to a different topic. Um, Jeff, do you have anything you want to talk about? Do you have any points you want to one bring thing, up? Yeah. I, one thing that I was kind of... I mean, I loved and was minorly frustrated with was in this book i really liked steris a lot more than an alloy of the law oh, yeah but oh, then yeah. it's like you have these great scenes with her where you're like wow i like really like this character i want to see more and then she like disappears and is off hiding you know <laughs> right with her uncle or whatever i was like no 
Yeah, she gets, uh, what, two scenes in this book, really? Yeah. I mean, maybe she's, she pops in and out, but yeah. she gets two yeah, real she's in two moments. This, time. this is me putting yeah, my... That, that, sorry, this is me putting well, yeah, my pin I'm in sorry. it right now. My pin in it right now. Steris is going to become a pivotal figure before the end of this tri- this trilogy. Well, oh, yeah. it's yeah. Uh, I, think I think it's so too. it's clear that she's on the cover of uh, of Bands of Mourning. I, at least I think so. I think that's Steris, and so I assume that she's going to play a very big role in that book. I'm, I'm sure that's Steris because it's not Morassi. So I've, I've only read about 50, 50 pages or so into Bands of Mourning, but it, I am I am. Right now, I would put money down on the fact that she is going to become a, a hinge pin on which this entire plot will twist on yeah. at, a certain, at some point. Kind of like Sazed was, uh, w- I think we called him the end table of book one, and uh, then he turned uh, out to be the right. what everything was about. Or mm-hmm. I've read about, I think, 150 pages in the second one, and no spoilers, obviously, but similar to the little boy in Elantris... I, I, I don't remember character names anymore, but by the end of Elantris, this kid who has been sitting there reciting statistics and numbers for 200, 300 pages. Mm. Are you about to ruin Elantris for me? Wait, you haven't read Elantris? No. Goodness nope. gracious. Yeah, sorry, we better <laughs> tread lightly there. Okay, well, I'm not going to reveal anything. <laughs> I haven't read but, it either. But by... So he, he dies, Ken. Oh! Now you do too! <laughs> <laughs> um, 150 pages into Bands of Mourning and having read Shadows of Self, Steris is, I think, the best developed character in the entire trilogy. Really? Um, better so uh, than Wax, better I, so than yeah. Wayne. She is the best. Yeah. Brandon Sanderson. She's the most interesting to me. Yeah, he knows well, her better is. than. Yeah, he, I, kn- he knows yeah, her better than the other characters. You see some of that in this book, too, as, just as far as her development. In the first book, it, it was there, but you didn't see enough of her to really get it, I think. But, like, in the scene at the ball where she's actually funny and, like, you're realizing, oh, these things that she does that make her seem robotic and. And like she's not a real person, are part of her personality, and it's what makes her who she is. And getting to see, you know, her appreciate that about herself, which she kind of always right. has. And then, as us, as the audience, and we see Wax realize, oh wow, he comes to that realization. We, as audience or you know readers, also get that flip switched yeah. in our head too. That's yeah. when it happened for me, at least. She's she's not in this book much, but she's in this book big. I think is, is yeah. the way I looked at it. She and she's very much the equilibrium to wax. I mean, she's insecure where he's very confident. She's calculating where he's very fly by, you know, the seat of his pants. She she is his foil. I mean, and they're very good together. You know, even in the very limited scenes you see them, you can tell there is something very compelling about the two of them together. I, th- I think it's very exciting. Yeah. I I might argue a little bit about her being the most developed character uh, only because I think she's the one character in the entire series that we can look at from an an almost higher perch than I'm trying to think of the word like not condescending like we're condescending on her but <laughs> she's not a superhero. She's not the superhero. She's right. the she's the the Ed, character the every that, woman. She's the well woman. she's the she's the one character in the group that is is always left behind is always there and you feel sorry for that person at first and she then when they come it. in and they do something later on you're like yeah you're awesome you're the best coincidentally she's also the only character that isn't an alamancer she's yet. us she's right. she's neville longbottom yeah that's what i'm just saying <laughs> yeah i assume I she's that. better looking but like <laughs> <laughs> i don't know that kid turned out pretty good well exactly that's the point i oh. mean in terms of how he looks yeah. he's dreamy oh, yeah he's good looking dude yeah, uh, girls went crazy over him in the seventh movie. Anyway, uh, it's it, those robes. <laughs> <laughs> we are so far off the path. Are you a pathian? I am so a pathian. <laughs> um, how sweet would it be to belong to a religion to which all you had to do was say, uh, "Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like, be a good I'll, person I'll and good stuff." Person. I'm gonna it's think good a, thoughts for fifteen minutes a day. <laughs> I think a, that's a put that's an earring. His, um, by the way, um, Wax's conversation with his uncle so fun in the terms of, in in the sense of him just goading Wax in. He's like, how how do you think you'd really feel about Kelsier mm-hmm. and his band? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, you think they're great guys? You know you would be out there trying to arrest slash shoot them. Here's and a question just, for you love, that I, that you're in a perspective. That's really yeah. that's really cool. All right. um, you reminded me of something that I was thinking about, which is the Sherlock Holmes aspect of this book. It gets compared a little bit to you know, it's like Sherlock Holmes meets fill in the blank, whatever it is. Uh, 
I wonder about that because I feel like that's what we're setting up here is these two characters. One of them's really good at uh, investigating, and the other one's really good at uh, throwing him off the trail, right? Uh, so there's a what, what's Sherlock's nemesis? Moriarty. 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 Yeah, there's a Moriarty vibe there. But I I don't know about that because I don't feel like Wax is this great intellect. I this, I, I don't. Uh, I, I understand the Sherlock Holmes reference because I think it's the easiest one to get to. I actually think this is more in line with James Bond. Oh, okay. Mm. You have the, especially if you recently, if you saw Spectre, you know that story behind this, uh-huh. this special group that controls all these things that Wax has had to deal, you know, that, that Bond has the had to deal with. The of all your pain. Yeah, yeah. My, my fingertips are on all your problems. Yeah, the, you have that set up with his uncle there. Um, and it's basically, I mean, he gets some new toys here and there from his queue, which is Renette. Renette. Yeah, I love her. Um, She's great. He has the person who runs around with him all the time, you know. And, and the one difference here is that we have a sidekick. That's where it's a little more like Sherlock Holmes, where he has a Watson versus mm. Bond, who's normally, you know, just whichever woman happens to be in the room at the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speak, speaking of the women in his life, I totally agree with you, by the way. that's I hadn't thought of it, but that's a great uh, parallel. Um Who's the main character of this book? I think Wax. I think it's easy is. to say Wax, yeah. but I, I. what about Marasi? We yeah. get a lot get from a lot her We do get a lot from her perspective. And I feel like more than Steris, she serves in the role of, uh, of our vehicle into the story. We can see it through her eyes. Yes. She's, she's the most yeah. normal of, of the bunch. And she thinks, or when you're looking through her eyes, she thinks a lot about the social issues. And so you learn a lot about what's going on and how this world is shaped, what it looks like, um, gender relations. Um, the in, like, if I remember correctly, we even learn a lot about the industrial um, capitalist relation relationships mm-hmm. in, in society mm-hmm. from her. Um, so she plays an important role there. There is something that I think reading Stormlight Archive has tainted me when I'm reading this is I don't necessarily know that uh, Marisi is your is your main uh, story here I actually think that he's taken to writing multiple storylines in single books um, that's the, in the Stormlight Archive you follow three mm-hmm. individuals and their storyline is all, inter, are, are all interwoven and I think in this case he's doing the same thing uh, we didn't get that a lot in the original Mistborn because we get a little bit of Kelsier's perspective here and there I'm um, in the first book, but it was mostly Vin and a few things jumping side to side here. Whereas in this one, we're really starting to get more of equal time between characters, especially Wax right. and Marisi, who are two sides of the same coin in terms of justice. Um, Marisi's trying to go about it a little more of the way the law is written versus uh, uh, Wax, who's a little more of the, I'm, I'm here to uphold the law, but I'm, I'm not afraid to shoot type thing. Right. Yeah, um, as a law student there are a lot of liability issues in everything <laughs> Wax does. <laughs> Wax, Wax well, the is the old. Bring that up. Well, Wax is the old and Marasi is the new. Marasi. You let us go through a book and a half without pronouncing that right? I said it as Marasi last time too and it felt wrong to me, but it, here's going back forever ago. I don't even remember which podcast it was. However you say it is however you say is what it is to you. As long as you read the freaking book, right? That's all he wants. You're the audio book. The audio book reads it as Marisi, (laughs) which I generally think they they talk to the author about it to get correct pronunciation. I'm sure. So, but any anyway, uh, the first few uh, chapters of the book actually show Wax is the old lawman who's kind of trying to figure out. He's he's the old world trying to fit into this new evolving, rapidly evolving world. He complains about motor cars. He complains ele- about electricity. He complains about the fact that he can't just go and shoot people. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got to actually bring him in, which, which he evolves on that as well as the book goes along, realizing that Does okay. He? He does. Well, he starts to at the end realizing that hey, I can't just you know, bam, you know, and stuff. But um, <laughs> he he can't just what just bam and stuff. Bam and stuff. That's okay. right. I just want to make sure I got that right. I had to wash the duality it's of perspective out of my head. <laughs> it, to your point, a little bit though, we get that that premise has been there from pretty much the beginning of Alloy of Law. It has. in the sense of there was Ruff's justice, right, and then there was justice in the city, and he complained about. Do, the way things are done in the city versus in the roughs. Right. Because he could go out and shoot somebody in the roughs. But it, it feels like we're really ramping it up now well, in the shadows of self. And what I don't understand there is this society is, what, 300 years old? Um, roughly 340-something, yeah. 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 Um. So he... It's been how it is in this sort of 1890s America parallel long enough for him to feel like this is the old way. 
But I mean, what were they before? They've already undergone a lot of rapid change. Right. Um, yeah. And so I'm really curious as to the timeline as to when did they go from super medieval to kind of spending what seems like several decades here. Right. I think you might actually, <clears throat> if you look back, I think it's in the discussion with Harmony, because um, it's specifically where he talks about, I made it too easily, too easy for you, right. um, that they should have progressed faster. Um, he, he kind of lays out a little, there's a, a little tiny bit of a timeline that he lays out um, as to when some things were discovered. Right. But I think that it's it just goes back to that point he he realized he made things too easy on them and so it's it's developing slower than it should have which um, it, it's a great concept um for people to remember with all progress with all change comes friction and friction causes heat and it's just a mess um and it makes you wonder uh yeah like just how easy were things uh, or or and and also the one question i had was how did Sazed set this up? Did he think that people could just take so much um, friction? Because he, he says, I wanted you to have the radio 100 years ago. Well, to go from where they were at the end of Hero of Ages to the radio in 200 years, that would take a lot of change very quickly. Right. Uh, you know, and that would that would be messy. And maybe Sazed isn't quite so wise as when it speaks, he thinks. And it speaks to Sazed's character a little bit. He lived in a post-apocalyptic, post-post-apocalyptic world where everything was hard, everything was horrible, even in the moments mm. of where it seemed where it seemed like things might be getting a little bit better. Um, Ellen and Van in the original Mistborn trilogy never succeed in making things better. And so when Sazed's designing the world. Um, I don't think it's a stretch to say he's looking at only what can, how can I make it easy to survive and make life? Let's do what the Lord Ruler tried to do. And that was his first success was we're going to do what the Lord Ruler failed at, hmm. which is making the world super peaceful and easy. <laughs> right. Speaking of things with the Lord Ruler's hands on it, the Chondra oh, yeah. in this story, they, so I've been arguing with myself back and forth uh, most of the days I've been thinking about this as to whether or not the Chondra have a bigger role in this than they did in Mistborn because mm. they have a pretty pivotal role in Mistborn. Mm, yeah. Uh, but it's not discovered until much later, whereas in this one it become it's a it's a huge portion of the main plot. Your, your main uh, villain in this, villain I say in, in air quotes. Antagonist. Antagonist, yeah. yeah that's a better phrase. Um, is is a chondra, and you have now Milan, another chondra. We're we're really interacting a lot with the chondra in here, which was something that wasn't necessarily the case. We even get to see Tin soon again, which is nice. Um, that but, was cool. Yeah, I, was. and see, hey, there's Jeff. I haven't heard you in a while, buddy. <laughs> when so I was I talking went into listener mode, but I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> when uh, when I was telling my wife, talking to my wife about the the book and everything, and about the chondra and everything she's like oh is Tensoon in it and I was, I was like yeah he, he's he's in it they've referenced oh, him a couple okay, times okay I'll read it now and she's <laughs> like no and she was like is he still wearing the dog body and I'm like I don't know I haven't gotten to that yet so when we got there and he was in the dog body it was a great moment it was so but cool yeah. I, I love the fact that we are that we're address, that the chondra we're addressing their very unique makeup in this story um, because what is it that makes um Lessie, I'm trying to think of what uh, bleeder is what they call her in this story. Bleeder, most palm, Lessie, bleeder, palm. Yeah. Three what names. is it about her that allows her to be remain sentient, but is they're considering her oh crazy? Gosh, <sighs> the removal of a single spike. So and the two excited spikes. to find out what that new spike is. And now the spike is made of something they're not aware that, of. That was that was exciting. Oh man, uh, yeah, I'm I'm freaking out a little bit uh, about that, and I'm very excited. Which tells you the the Chondra are going to continue to be a big a big portion of this story. What Jeff? I totally agree. I totally agree with that. Like I bet they're going to be a big portion of the story. And one reason I think that is because, you know, in the previous, you, you know, the Mistborn trilogy, you have all these other, you know, you had the Kolos, you had the Inquisitors, you had the Chondra who are all impaled with spikes, and then now you have the Chondra and people that do it willingly themselves like wax. And those are the people that, you know, harmony can use or somewhat influence, you know, to, to do his work. And it seems pretty clear that he's got an agenda that he's trying to push forth. So there's only a few people that can do it. And the conjurer among that small group. So it seems like they, they have to be a big part of 
what's going to happen. Well, it, it ties in also to the to heme allergy. Um, right. We know maybe that, uh, maybe little. The, just, we know that the con- like the chondra are going to play a continuing role, but I believe that the that the big aspect of this is the effect of heme allergy on things because we now have also this second god who makes who's essentially oh, made an appearance. So excited! We have oh, Trell. Yeah. We have Trell, and that's how Bleeder is able to avoid the detection of Harmony, is that that spike is a spike that Trell gave her. Or uh, that, apparently. 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 So, yeah. so crazy. So, uh, which leads to the, not, the lack of omniscience, by the way. It's like, um, Harmony does not know what this is. It, well, it tells you that there are spheres of influence that, uh, that, that exist in the, in the Cosmere, and that a deity over a certain group only affects that, that group that are within his sphere of influence. Yeah. Yeah, and Trell is a really interesting... I, I don't want to call it a character yet because all we get is a name. Um, they do mention Trell in the Mistborn trilogy and, mm-hmm. right. and Sazed tries to convert, I think, Kelsier to Trellism. To Trellism. Really? Oh, is it um, Kelsier? Well, I, I don't remember which one. but uh, when, Well, when probably. Kelsier... When he would have Sazed tell him all about all the different I religions. remembered yeah. the name, but I couldn't remember the details of... Yeah. And I don't remember what Trellism... Yeah. What, what they worship or how they worshipped or anything like that. But Trell is not an intent... So you have ruin and preservation, which are which represent some kind of intent that goes back to really complicated stuff in the cosmos. Well, that was a great line by Tin Tin Soon, by the way. We'll go back to it. Let's continue. Well, Trell is the only god that I've observed in Brandon Sanderson's Cosmere that isn't an intent, or doesn't mm-hmm. seem to represent this original group of gods that took the shards. Hmm. Hmm. I'm very, uh, I'm all very that uh, going over my head. I so my question <laughs> with the spike and trell is uh, that Bleeder's big thing is freedom, and she feels like well, as long as these spikes are in, we're not free. We're influenced at at least and controlled at most by uh, by harmony, thanks to these two spikes. And so she takes out her spike ends up taking out both spikes and replacing them with this other one and she says now i'm free and my question is was she was she free or did trell have control of her in some way thanks to that to that spike and that's a question that's unanswerable right now after this book uh, but it's something that's got me interested well it's not entirely unanswerable i don't think because there's a difference between the types of freedom because as soon as the second uh, spike is put into her through the through the bullet that Wax had made, Harmony is able to actually li- literally control her. Mm-hmm. There's a freedom from not being able to be physically taken and forced to do something. Where when she only has the one, she can't be controlled that way as far as we know. Um, so she has a freedom there, but it may be may, that spike from Trell may have, or that Trellish related spike, although I don't <laughs> even know how to phrase it, might be... Uh, there might be some cost to having that, but it doesn't grant him the ability to control the chondra the same way that we know of. Right. Yeah, we don't know what the trail that spike is made of. The trail oh, spike. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Yeah. No, that was awful. Sorry. I, man, This the the great thing is, is, and this is just me fanboying out over some Sanderson stuff here in general, The each of these stories, the, um, Wax and Wayne, the Mistborn stories, uh, Stormlight Archive, and I'm sure Elantris and the other Cosmere pieces, uh, Warbreaker and all, all have similar wonderful interior stories. But there is, if you really start pulling back and looking at a big story, there is a Cosmere story happening uh, between the shards that are out there. And for those of you who aren't familiar with it, it's really I would really recommend doing a little, bit, spending a little time on the interwebs and finding out a little more about the Cosmere there's and what's really going good, on there. There's really good wiki. I'm yeah, just I'm shard. absolutely terrified to go on there uh, because I've been <laughs> holding off on reading. Uh, especially Stormlight, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but also uh, but also Bands of Mourning. If you don't read Stormlight Archive, the wiki is bad. Yeah, as, yeah. and so I won't touch it. Yeah. Uh, th- one of my joys with Brandon Sanderson is the endings. I mean, we've already talked about mm-hmm. the endings of his books are so good, and I really don't want to ruin that. And so 
so help me as much as I want you to all participate on the forum. If you go on there and ruin these books for me, <laughs> I will travel. I will I will travel to Canada. I will pick up Hawkfire, and we will hunt you down. <laughs> Uh, and because Craig will be your ruin. Craig will Craig will be Steve Buscemi from Billy Madison. He'll show up in the high school <laughs> there with I'll lipstick and a rifle. Steve Buscemi from pretty much anything. It's terrifying. Uh, Con Air. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right, Jeff. Um, any other points you want to bring up? I mean, I think we touched on all the major things yeah. uh, that I had really thought of. But I, again, just g- touching back on the Cosmere, since that's what we're talking about. I. I'm very intrigued and interested to find out more about it because it does sound really interesting with, I mean, uh, the brief little look into it that I did. They talk about, you know, the Ars Arcanum or whatever at the end of each book. Mm-hmm. It's written by a specific, you know, person that's not part of the Mistborn trilogy, which is the only where, you know, yeah. I'm familiar with it. But, yeah. you know, that plays into the Cosmere and it's, I don't know, it's really intriguing. The idea that there is this larger story encompassing multiple different series I'm, within one world by one author it's really interesting but it confuses me so i am 100 percent certain that brandon sanderson has the cosmere the the bigger story l- laid out and all of what he's writing in his subsequent in his subsequent smaller areas is all uh, affected by that original cosmere story right. that he's written you guys want oh. my uh interesting my, my big prediction uh, yeah. For Mistborn, because we know that after predictions. after Bands of Morning, there will be one more in this era. There'll be one more Wax and Wayne book, and then we will move on to space travel. Mistborn, uh, they will, you know, they'll develop flight. They'll go to the stars, and I'm predicting that the Mistborn characters will facilitate contact between all of the shards uh, uh. of Sanderson's Cosmere. They'll be the ones, at least to start, may, you know, and, and maybe be like the farriers between worlds. So right? that, that raises one interesting challenge, which I'm sure he's already addressed, or if not, he's terrified looking down at it, <laughs> is time. Right. Because 300 years have passed inside the Mistborn world here, versus in the Stormlight Archive, we've only passed, so you know, a, a, a few years versus, I don't know about Elantris and Warbreaker, where they all sit in their timelines. So the concept of bringing all these worlds together into one giant cosmic, you know, Avengers, cosmic, Infinity, nice. Infinity War style event, um, I think that raises some challenges in terms of timelines, but I, I'm not saying it's beyond possibility. Right. Well, and it, it, he never says that these stories are happening concurrently. Right. Yeah. And, and so I, I don't see, I don't see yet the problem with um, having them show up somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, but who knows? I have a Mistborn prediction. Sweet. It's not really a prediction. Um, I heard <laughs> it from Brandon Sanderson. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, and so Cheater. It's, so it's less of a prediction and more of an observation. I have ears and I listened. Um, <laughs> you do have ears. They yes. are prominent. They are, pr- they are big. <laughs> um, if you don't watch out, Bleeder's going to stick a needle in them. Oh, yeah, okay. I, will Keep be- going. I will become wax. Um, so at Brandon Sanderson's release party at BYU campus for bands of mourning i found myself accidentally near him i was looking for there was this uh they said there were going to be paintings and i wanted to see the paintings and there wasn't paintings there was brandon sanderson sitting at a table um <laughs> very very still yeah with just, a canvas behind him i was like you are not you're not a painting you're, you have uh, disappointed me sir. Yeah. <laughs> like i don't need your face i need your words um or your pictures um and so the a kid comes up to him and says, has this really interesting observation that everything in the Mistborn world is based at a base four. So you have 16, 16 is a very important number. The metal, mm-hmm. metallic, uh, alimantic metals are all divided into groups of four. Um, 16 shards. That were 16 broken. shards. And he says, shouldn't there be a fourth power? And Oh my gosh. Oh, uh, you just <laughs> killed me. Well, no, and, and, and Sanderson doesn't say, well, yes, there will be, but he gets this like almost like super, and I, I honestly, we don't hang out, so I don't know, <laughs> I don't know his facial expressions, but he gets this super embarrassed, like, could have okay. just farted in the room. Right? <laughs> yeah, like, like he gets this look like, okay, you get it now shut up. Like, <laughs> don't say anything. He's like, well, what he said is yes, there should be. <laughs> oh another gosh. another another power and i was like oh you little man. jerk now i have to go write something on that <laughs> by, by well, the no. way brandon sanderson if you ever want to hang out yeah <laughs> just, just let us know if you listen to this <laughs> oh man um if. <laughs> yeah right uh you just blew my mind you just you well, just made you i 
it's gone. That's awesome. It's blown. Well, it makes sense. I mean, it's, that's all. Yeah. That's so good. Uh, and now I'm just, I have Bands of Morning. I have two copies of it on my shelf waiting for me to read both of them concurrently. <laughs> Uh, no, one of them signed, and the other one is not. So, oh, I was like, "Are we having a uh, who's got the bigger shelf issue here?" Is that what we're doing? Uh, but now, <laughs> now might be MB. now might be a good time to bring up uh, because if you're still listening to this, that means that you are interested in what's going on, and that means you're a Sanderson fan, and that means that you might be interested in a copy of Bands of Morning. I have a hardback here that we will personalize from the Legendarium podcast and send out uh, in a giveaway style. And so I have yet to decide exactly how to do this giveaway, but I will tell you what. If you um, hop on Facebook, like the Legendarium podcast on Facebook, and shoot us a quick little note, just say I listened to the uh, what's this called the Shadows of Self podcast, and I want into the contest or whatever. Just let me know that you listen to this, and I will put your name in the drawing. However else we decide to gather names, you can do that. You can also tweet us at Legendarium Pod. And uh, Jeff, now that you've been, now that your voice has been heard, you don't qualify anymore. That's correct. Oh, rats. Yeah, you, sure. Jeff, you won the last one, didn't you? I did, yeah. I won the copy of Mistborn. I was very excited. Oh, sweet. It sits prominently on my shelf. Nice. Um, so, yeah, we'll do that. We, I also, by the way, have two hard copies of Way of Kings. So when we get there, we'll be doing a giveaway there as well. Oh, I cannot wait to do Way of Kings. <laughs> uh, neither can I. You I'm do very... not know how nerdy I can maybe, be. Maybe we'll draw some dirty pictures in the margins, kind of like Wayne does. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a very, very valuable copy of the dirty book. Dirty figures. Sure. I love Wayne's relationship with everybody. Wayne's relationship with life. Is fantastic. Uh, yes, but he's probably intellectually deficient and a <laughs> genius at the same time. <laughs> awesome. Uh, my favorite, honestly, and I know this is going to sound uh, incredibly cheesy, but his relationship with himself is much better to me than his relationship with anybody else. When he has those moments of introspection, yeah, it, it, oftentimes he will turn on that kind of joking voice that he has with everybody else. But we do get glimpses into how he really ticks, and uh, and it's delicious. My my very form. Go ahead. Ryan. He has, but he the the one thing about Wayne that I love so much is that he has a different relationship with each of the people, and that includes himself. And probably one of the most eye opening moments of Wayne of dealing with Wayne is when he goes to give the money to the girl who whose father he killed. Mm-hmm. Sure. That story. That's when, exactly where I was going. How much? How much effort he puts in every month to get in and try and and take care of and and, and to take care of her. His self debasing attitude a little bit. I it just it humanized him in a, in a fantastic way. Um, and then you turn around and he has his relationship with Steris and they walk into the room and he says he's uh, filthy dirty <laughs> and she's like hello or he's like hello idiot and she says hello idiot and he <laughs> says something back to her and. It's the start of this great relationship, and then it's not at the same time because they both despise each other. Yeah. You know, and the way he treated her after the party, I was like, oh. that's the first moment that I didn't like you. I wanted to smack him. <laughs> oh, really? Because like, I like Steris. I'm, I'm I'm fully, you know, behind her. But. So the, here we go. Here's, honey, you'll be proud of me. Here's your moment of uh, don't romantic. Ever, don't ever call me that. Your, <laughs> your romantic relationships in this story they're not a they're not an overly prominent piece i mean even this marriage between steris and wax is not what you would call romantic it's a mutually agreed upon business decision right type deal um that progressively gets to be more fondness towards one another um but you still have marisy who is dealing with trying to f- whether she has feelings for yeah. him we don't i mean this it's, could very easily have become a very teen angsty book of, I, I feel like her um her relationship with wax is a lot like uh, sorry ryan eowyn's relationship with aragorn uh <laughs> yeah. where it's uh she really admires oh, him yeah. from afar and she sees what a great man he is and the, what a legend he is and what he's capable of yeah. a little hero worshipy and uh yeah mm-hmm. hero worship is a good way to put it and uh, and then she meets him, and that doesn't go away. But at a certain point, the relationship matures, and she's able to let go of that and uh, and see him for the king that he is, etc. So I think that's a really good place to say where it's at at the end of Shadows of Self. I don't think it's going to stay there. 
No, I don't think so. The, things will come to a head, but I imagine that it will be let go. Uh, I don't. I don't see the two of them happening. I. I think he's gonna be with Steris. No, I think. I fine. think they squashed that pretty quickly in the beginning of it, and I'm glad because I hated all of that. Every mm-hmm. every inkling of that, I just hated. Sweet mother of Moses, you guys! It's time to wrap up. No. <laughs> Sorry. I forgot what Moses' mom's name was. I don't I can't. But there was more duality of perspective to talk about. Uh-huh, yeah, sure. Right, Ken. Um, Didn't even touch the uh, Harmony's eyes and ears. I and was just like going to ask for final thoughts. Then so I, That's when I'm going to take mine kay. with that. Um, I really appreciated. Uh, there's a lot of religious context in this story in terms of uh, how we see how religion has shaped society a bit there, how powerful of a force it is. Um in, in Skadriel? Skadriel? Skadriel. I, I, I don't Ellen, know. In Ellendale. We'll yeah, there you in go. Ellendale. <laughs> um, how powerful of a force it is. And so what is, because we have a, a Chondra here in Bleeder who is frustrated and angry at, at her god and at the god who kind of is ruling all this, what does she do? She attacks god by taking out his senses. What a fantastic bit of... Uh, uh, visual and yeah, you and can't, writing there. If you can't kill him, just you know, you uh, blind him, you make him mute, you take away his hands, well, you take like, away his ears. I feel like there's a reference to Greek and or Norse mythology there. Probably. I want to go find the story where they chop up a god so he can't. Anyway, so he can't do anything. Kronos. Right? Yeah, interesting. Oh, yeah, Kronos for sure. There you go. Uh, fi- final thoughts. All right, was that? That's my that final good? thought. Okay. Uh, anybody else? Before I start making volunteers. The, the stuff when we went into the pits of Hathson and the Chondra homeland and everything. I sh- I'm going to get misty here. No, but it, it just... <laughs> it, the mist, yes. But no, it, it, I just loved the feeling of nostalgia that I felt going there because it took me back to all of the Mistborn stuff that I read. And not just all of the stuff that I read and I really liked, but this, where I was what I was doing, you know, and, and the fact that we recorded right after. And it, but it, it took me back to all of the f- feelings, the the uh, enjoyment feelings I had reading all of this series so far. I'm so excited to continue on with it. It's just, and to see Tensoon and see he's still a wolfhound, you know, it's... Just... How about those creatures? Oh, oh those creatures in that. Freaky. Yeah, yeah I, I think, I think we're going to be seeing more of those. foreshadowing for... So them. much... So much good punching in this book. You guys, I'm just freaking out. I I am so mad that I waited for you idiots so that I could read these books. Oh, this is the worst decision I ever made. Ugh. Anyway. Uh, I apologize. Yeah, Jeff or Nick? Uh, mine's really more of an open-ended question that we don't need to discuss, but it might be interesting to the listeners. Why is the book called Shadow of Self? Ooh, uh, yeah, I... Pff. I just finished the book today, so I haven't had time to even get to that question in my head. Good one. The only answer I have, because um, I just finished listening to Hero of Ages, the Chondra, when they're teaching Sazed about preservation, talk about how he has sacrificed most of himself, and they say all that's left is a sliver, comma, the shadow of self. And oh, they this just keep is going. In, in book three? In book three of Mistborn. Ah. And he just kind of, and I was like, wait, there's the title for book whatever, five. Um Nice catch. But I don't... Brandon Sanderson does everything so deliberately, even his titles. Right. And it doesn't seem to have much reference to this actual story. And so I feel like it's even the title is relevant for later books. We did get the words Bands of Mourning in this book. Uh, So I'll be interested to learn more about that. Uh, Jeff, final thoughts? Um, I mean, it was... Great! I love reading. I look forward to the rest of the series. Um, appreciate you guys letting me come on and join the podcast and get to talk about. It. I look forward to reading the rest and hearing, you know, all you have to say about it. Oh so. my gosh! Yeah, I I am looking forward, obviously, with uh, much anticipation. Um, here's your here's your final final thought on second reading. Go I, back and read the broadsheets. Oh, okay. so much fun. Um, my final thought. I'll I'll cheat a little bit because I kind of have two. Um, Brandon Sanderson's a freaking genius. Um, and you know what? No, I'll just cut it down to one. I'll just say this. Uh, this was my least favorite Brandon Sanderson book I've ever read. But that's like saying, you know, hi, I'm the tallest building in Wichita. You know, like it, it's not that 
it's not that it's a bad book. It's the least good that I've read, and I still loved this book. I could not believe how engaged I was, uh, you know, especially leading oh. up toward the end. It was so much fun. Ryan just had another thought. Uh-oh. No, I'm just so excited for you to read the wit's last chapter in Words of Radiance. Oh, yeah. Oh. Okay. Uh, yeah, so oh. I'll get there, and I'm sure it will blow my mind. Oh, crud. Now but I, it's, like I have to go back. I, I just... It's amazing to me that he whips these books out the way that he does, and yet they have some real substance to them. They're not just, uh, I think we said last time, airplane books. They they have something to say. We have things that we can learn from them. Obviously, we didn't talk about all those all those things here on the podcast, but uh, but for those who are interested in uh, reading books for more than just entertainment, uh, these books have it. Uh, they have oh, the entertainment, yeah. don't get me wrong, but there's a lot more substance there than uh, than a lot of dime store novels that we're used so to. Much real, deep in this book. Yeah, real literary value. Yeah. Um, uh, anyway, guys, we better wrap it up. So thanks again to all of you uh, for coming in. I know Ryan and I have been looking forward to this Sanderson stuff for a long time, and it's fun to... It's fun to watch people read stuff for the first time, and it's fun for me now to be on the other end of that and be the one reading it for the first time. So thanks, everybody, for taking the journey with us. I'll just leave you once again with a plug to go to our website, thelegendariumpodcast.com, or you can go directly to worldswithoutend.com and sign up for the reading challenge there. It'll be a little easier to find, though, if you go to our website first. There's a giant banner right up front. You can't miss it. Join the reading challenge. It is not too late. You're going to tear through these books, obviously. So, what, Ken? I was saying, come over to Facebook and tell us what you think. Yeah, absolutely. Hop in the forum there at Worlds Without End or jump on Facebook, go on Twitter, tell us what you think of these books. Uh, and keep an eye out for a, uh, a special surprise that we'll have, I think, by the next podcast. One more way that you'll be able to interact with the Legendarium podcast, not just with us, but with others uh, in the community as well. So keep an eye out for that, and we will see you all for Bands of Mourning in three weeks. Have a good one, everybody. Everybody.